You're listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Behrens, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Behrens, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tactical Kitchen Show. We are back again with Helen Taylor. Did you say this was episode 50? Uh, I did not, but it is. Okay, it's episode 50. (laughs) And Helen, right before we started, Steve said, we're going to call this one Helen Strikes Back. Work it in our Star Wars reference for the episode. Well, yeah, we just had May the 4th be with you. So, right. Yeah, this, you is, know. this is Helen Strikes Back. Right. There you go. So if you guys were here last week, you know we interviewed Helen, and she told us a little bit about her background. But this week, this one's going to be even more fun because we're going to get into the details of what it takes to do all the things that she does. And we're just going to start really diving into some of the details here. So Helen, first of all, I know we need to talk about last week because when we first talked, you were going to go into the online, the age group online qualifier for CrossFit. So I know that you had a few things that happened. Can you kind of tell us the story of last week? Yes. Well, um, as you and I have talked, um, even prior to last week, after the CrossFit Open, um, when I made it into the 200, I became pretty obsessed about getting those muscle-ups and wanting to work on them, uh, so much so that I ended up overdoing it. I just kept practicing and practicing and failing over and over and caused a lot of uh, aggravation to my left shoulder. And... So much so that I wasn't able to snatch for the last couple weeks, and I haven't been able to do a whole lot of gymnastics. But in particular, the snatching uh, had been hard. So I was very nervous as it got closer. My shoulder wasn't really feeling much better. Um, But going into Friday, I had, you know, talked to my coach, and we, uh, you know, we approached it, you know, with a really good mobility, warm-up. Um, spent a lot of time trying to slowly build and see how I feel um, and try to do what I could. And, you know, I, my shoulder was just, it, it was pulling too much. And, you know, I did some of the workouts, but was not, I was not able to complete all of them. And so we, uh, you know, I, I turned in the, you know, the parts that I could do. And, you know, tried my best, but unfortunately, um, you know, the shoulder wasn't cooperating and the reps were high. You know, it was a lot of reps to do with, um, with snatches. There was a lot of uh, handstand push-ups, and there was a lot of uh, uh, overhead squats, even though the weight wasn't heavy at all. It was 55 pounds, but there ended up, I think there were three rounds of 35. So it ended up being, what, 105 reps. So I tried and tried for about an hour and a half. Um, and I was getting the reps to count, but not without a lot of pain. So we just, you know, did what we could and then just stopped it and, you know, 
called it a called it the weekend. Um, yeah, we put a link last week in the show notes so that people, if they don't understand what the workouts are, where they could go and look at the workouts. So when you're talking about high rep scheme, um, I remember looking at that workout and I tried that workout you're talking about with the thrusters and the overhead squats. I think I got uh, two rounds and didn't even like... <laughs> It didn't even, I was like, I'm not even scratching this, scratching the surface of this. And I think you and I talked about just online after this happened, that that difference of knowing when to stop because it's discomfort that you're pushing through um, because it's just hard or discomfort when there's actual injury or pain. Sure. And that's a big difference. It is. And the thing Two, it was important to me out of respect for all of the women in my age group who worked super hard to get into the 200. Um, and for those who didn't, who were like maybe 201 or 202, I felt like out of respect for them, I didn't want to just not do any of them. I felt like I needed to do as much as I possibly could and try as hard as I could, even though I might not be able to fully succeed. But out of respect for all of my you know, fellow female masters out there who worked super hard, I didn't want to just not do them. So I tried my best to do what I could, even though I didn't finish you know, um, the workouts. And some, I mean, like I said, some of them I ran out of the you know, time cap. Because it wasn't something that was just uncomfortable for me. It was because um, I'm used to pushing through uncomfort, you know, discomfort. You learn that early on in martial arts. Um, you learn that through marathon running. You know, you're going to get tired. You're going to be sore. You're going to uh, feel like stopping. But you have to keep going and you have to find a place in your mind to go in order to get there. And that wasn't one of those issues. This was, you know, something that I was afraid that I would actually tear something or maybe something's already tore in there and I'm just going to make it worse and then not be able to, you know, compete again in the next open, which is coming in October. So it's less than six months away. So at that point, you know, my coach is, my coach was like, you, you know, we need to think about October. We need to think about not, you know, uh, getting this worse where you're out for a month or two or even longer. So, you know, he was like, let's, you know, let's do what we can out of respect for our fellow athletes and, and, and out of doing what, you know, out of, for, even for myself, because I was disappointed. I wanted to do what I could. Um, and then we just called it a day and we were like, that's it. You know, we only had two days, of, uh, two days of uh, competition for me. And that was it instead of the four or the five. Yeah. Four. That's typical. Right. Yeah. That's difficult dealing with an injury, especially when you're, an, an elite athlete like yourself and you're used to be able to perform and then having an injury that it just won't let you go. That's really hard. And I know even the young athletes I, that I talk to, they'll get, they'll get injured and they won't give it time to heal and they'll come back too early and then they'll hurt it again. And, and that's such a difficult thing to deal with. And, and I know better, you know, I think I mentioned it last yeah. week, you know, as a coach, I know better. I should have never kept, pushing myself and pushing myself because I was basically forcing my body to do something that it wasn't ready to do. Right. And I was going to make it happen no matter what. 
And that's not the approach that you want as a coach. But I, I just got carried away. I was just, I was thinking more highly of myself <laughs> than, I, than I ought to. You know, I'm not an elite athlete. I was thinking, oh my goodness, I'm foolish because I ended up, you know, those workouts were really good for me for the uh, online qualifier. Yeah. Those, those were really good workouts for me. And I loved them, except for the ring muscle ups, obviously. Because uh, I can't do those, but the rest would have been perfect. They're all the things that I love to do, and I was, you know, I had no one to blame but me at that point. So hard lesson learned. Hard lesson learned. <laughs> we we all have those. <laughs> Absolutely, I know. And we we were we were discussing last week after the episode um, when we finished recording. The next morning we were drinking coffee and we both were thinking the same thing. I was like, you remember when Helen said, yeah, you know, I can only walk a few feet on my hands. And he was like, I know. She's like, think about this. You're 51 and oh, I can only walk a few feet on my hands, you know? And that's just amazing though, because trying those new skills, you know, you eventually develop them and sometimes certain things do take longer, like ring muscle ups, if, especially the gymnastics things. I think our flexibility as we get older, oh, it's just so hard to maintain. For sure it is. And, and there, I mean, that's just something that I, you know, I wasn't particularly good at to begin with, you know, I've never had, you know, gymnastics training, even as a child. Um, so it's, it's definitely something new, uh, not only at 51, but, you know, just, even if I, if I tried this 30 years ago, it would have been pretty new to me because I, you know, just hadn't delved into a whole lot of that, you know, part of uh, physical fitness. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of skill that, or, or technique that goes with a lot of these movements that if you've never done them before in your life, they are, they, they are difficult because you have to build that technique. And if, if someone's not there to say, oh, you need to adjust this, you know, you need to adjust your, your stance here or whatever. It's harder because you need that feedback. So it's great that you have good coaches around you um, to help you with that stuff. Cause that's, we, you know, we always say even in a golf swing, it's all technique, a swim, it's technique. And you know what we get caught up. I mean, I don't know if you do this, but I'm, I'm terrible at this. I get caught up comparing myself to other people you know, other women that I, I'm on the leaderboard with or other women that I see on Instagram or even other women in my, you know, in the box that I, you know, train at. And you see them and you think, well, they can do it. What's wrong with me? Why can't I do it? You know, and then you just kind of get that, you know, stuck in your head and, and it's really not the right focus. You know, I shouldn't worry about what anyone's doing or, you know, compare myself to anyone, just focus on me. I mean, we all have a different story, right? A different background. We're coming at things from a different angle and perspective. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just an easy trap to get, you know, into. Mm -hmm. and, and I constantly battle with it. Every, every time I enter my score in that leaderboard, you know, every, every day, I, uh, I, I sometimes think it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where you're at. <laughs> put that workout in, you know? And, um, so, so one of the things we, uh, we touched on last week, we touched on nutrition. Um, but you know, when you talk about nutrition, there's the, the broad scope and then there's the, I, I dial in nutrition and everybody for 
uh, elite athletes, they always want to know what exactly do you eat? And I get this question uh, all the time, especially for my young athletes. They're like, tell me what to eat. And I always tell them, I can't tell you exactly what to eat because we're all so different. You, you, first of all, you have to eat real foods and then you have to figure out what works best for you. But, uh, it helps when we start talking to people like you to give the advice of, uh, kind of walk you through a day of, of nutrition and what you eat and kind of why, why you eat it and how it helps you. Sure. And, and, and as you mentioned, it is a lot of trial and error and, and it is what works, you know, for me might not work for you. Um, but I pretty much do stick to a very strict routine. Um, I eat pretty much the same thing day in and day out. And I'll vary the, you know, vegetable and the protein uh, from time, you know, I'll, I'll change that up. But I, for instance, so for breakfast, I have been eating this, um, I can't probably for two years now, the same thing. So I will eat two hard-boiled eggs, three pieces of bacon, and some type of carb. Usually that will change. It could be like a, uh, some strawberries, usually a half a cup of strawberries or blueberries, um, and, and then some hot tea. And that's it. That's all I eat for breakfast. And for a snack... I always have a hard-boiled egg and bacon. That's my snack um, in between. And I try to get good bacon that has no, uh, it's vegetarian fed, no antibiotics, no hormones. And they're pretty thin slices, but, um, but it's usually uh, bacon and hard-boiled eggs, even for a snack. Yeah. Um, and then for lunch, because I feel like the, uh, it's easily digestible for me. It doesn't upset my stomach at all, and it um, I can I can literally eat a hard boiled egg and bacon, and and I don't I mean I don't just work out right afterward, but I could if I had to. It, it there's nothing that upsets my stomach about it, mm-hmm. and that's been a lot of trial and error throughout the years, and I find that I that's one of the reasons I stay away from dairy because it does bother my stomach, especially when I work out, and uh, even sometimes uh, high carb like smoothies with sometimes they'll even bother my stomach. If I have too much fruit that can bother my uh, digestive system, but from working out. So it's a, it's a balancing act of getting some good carbs in there, but watching that, you know, the stomach upset and, and um, so that's, that's my breakfast and snack. Um, right immediately after a workout is the only time that I do any type of supplement. And the supplement is a whey protein shake. I would drink a a protein shake about within a half hour of my workout. And it's a pure, it was the best one I could find. It's like whey, grass fed whey. There's no sugar. There's no, um, it has like cacao for chocolate flavor and a coconut sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no artificial sweeteners or cane sugar or uh, there's nothing else in it. That's it. It doesn't taste. It just tastes like watered down chocolate. It doesn't even, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't care to me. I do it because it's just, you know, necessary for me and it helps to, you know, uh, repair my muscles quick, uh, help me recover and, you know, build that muscle mass that I'm looking for. And then um, for my lunch, I try to stick with about four ounces of, usually I do four ounces of chicken. And it's 
you know, just grilled chicken that I've, you know, made throughout, you know, the week um, or different type of chicken, different seasoning. And I just, you know, shred it out and measure it. And I will uh, eat it with sometimes it's a little bit of uh, depending on how long of my work, like how long or how intense it was, I might have some rice. Uh, other than that, it'll be avocado with it and a salad, which consists of spinach, broccoli, and kale. Um, so I just mix those up together. And it's usually about, you know, a cup of that. Um, and I'm trying to think, and maybe some fruit. I, I don't do a whole lot of fruit. Um, and, and if I do, it's always strawberries and blueberries. Like I said, they tend to be the best for me. And uh, my snack, again, I get two snacks a day um, for myself, and it's always hard-boiled egg and bacon. And <laughs> that's a good snack. That's a good snack. People don't realize it. I mean, I'm not deprived. I'm like, I look forward to that bacon all yeah. day long. And I get it three times a day. <laughs> and it's okay. And my cholesterol is great. My cholesterol is like 167. And my ratio is like 2.5. So, you know, I, that bacon has not bothered me one bit. And right. Then, yeah. It's like such a treat. Um, and then dinner usually consists of, um, you know, uh, grass-fed like flank steak. I usually stick with the uh, four ounces of protein for me, unless it's fish. Uh, then I tend to go a little bit higher. I might do six uh, fish. Um and then again, it's like steamed vegetables. I'll have steamed broccoli or cauliflower, um, zucchini, and then some, again, a little bit of a spinach salad, or I usually have it all mixed, like spinach, kale, and um, broccoli, and that's it. That's my, and I drink no pop, uh, no juice. It's just um, carbonated water from Germany. Um, it's, oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's Gerolsteiner. I'm not sponsored, yes. so don't. I don't get any. Yeah. So I'm just mentioning this because I like it, um, and I I find that it it's very refreshing for me because I like the carbonation, but it contains a lot more uh, minerals than most water. Um, so I usually just drink that and hot tea, and and that's my day. That's you know, and I you know once in a while I might have a piece of uh, dark chocolate. Um, and it's, I don't know if you've ever uh, heard of like Hugh Kitchen. It's H-U. No. It's, um, it's, a, it's a, actually a restaurant in New York City. And they're completely um, like all raw, organic, um, paleo, vegan, keto. And all they do is create meals based on uh, those type of, uh, you know, that type of eating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you could go in there and get um, a piece of chocolate that's made with uh, either stevia or coconut sugar, uh, no milk, um, you know, or it might be, you know, just pure raw cacao. So it's, it's, and so now they've ended up selling their stuff. So you can get it on Amazon. You can get these little chocolate bars and they're relatively pretty healthy, you know, yeah. a little snack, a little treat, you could eat one of those. And that's, you know, what, what you're saying, what you're talking about is something where a lot of people have trouble when you start saying, I eat the same things pretty much every day. And, and that's where I notice with 
people that I work with, um, all of a sudden they have so much variety in their diet. They're like, I can't do that because I need variety. And then when people start really telling you what they eat, you know that a lot of people do eat the same things every single day. And finding what works for your body and for your activity is something we always talk about. So what, and that's something that we should say is what works for you isn't going to work for someone else, so to speak. But these are places where you have to experiment. And we talked about that trial and error of finding what works. How long did it take you to kind of figure out this works for me? you know what it's it's taken I, I would say it's taken a couple of years um i i really changed my mindset about food i i don't look at food as something that um i you know i live for you know i look at food as something that it does for me that it, i need it because it fuels my performance i need it because it keeps me from having digestive issues. It keeps me feeling uh, energetic and strong. It helps me to sleep better. Um, So what I end up doing is thinking of food that way. And when you start thinking of it that way, you don't feel like you need to have a whole, you know, piece of cake or, or you need to have all the decadent stuff that everybody out there um, thinks you need to have, or that you need to cook these elaborate meals. I mean, I love to cook and I love to, you know, I'll, I'll experiment and make, you know, different things, but you don't need to. I don't, you know, to me, it's like I, I eat because it's what I need to do to keep me healthy and, and to keep me strong. And basically that's what it's all about, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, fitting this into the athletic performance that, because you don't just do CrossFit, you've also done martial arts, you've done the cycling um, and the marathon running. Uh, so fitting all this in, has have you seen that it's had to change with adopting more or, or doing more CrossFit than when you were doing more marathoning? Have you had to adjust it? I did. I, I found it. Uh, I found a, a change between like uh, cycling and marathon running, which is, you know, long endurance racing. And, you know, when you're out on your bike for four or five hours, or running a marathon for four hours, um, you definitely have to fuel your body. Uh, so you have to stay, one, super hydrated and have enough hydration with you because that's critical. Um, but then you also need to have the right type of uh, sugar because your muscles get depleted of you know sugar and then you have to take it you know in. And so if you're, I think that, I, I wasn't into the type of eating that I am now when I was running marathons. So I would back then um, take in more carbs and I would eat a bagel. Like back then I would eat a bagel, you know, cause I knew it was easily digestible and it'll turn into sugar quickly. Um, or I would eat, you know, gummy bears or, you know, jelly beans or whatever that you had, you know, because you needed that quick sugar. Um, but as I've gotten more educated and food and experimented more, there are ways that you don't have to have all that sugar to, you know, to compete in those long endurance races. And so, but again, it's, it's a big mindset in the endurance world 
that you need those, you know, you need those, the sugar, you need the carbs, 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 carbs. Right. And, yeah. and it's hard to tell uh, endurance athletes otherwise, but, but there is, I would recommend, you know, to any of your listeners who are endurance, um, you know, athletes, you know, do your research. There's a lot of great information out there and great uh, plans for endurance athletes. Like you can do keto for endurance athletes, you know, you can do, um, you know, paleo or and even, you know, uh, you know, eliminating all these other type of foods and still be able to uh, compete and feel really good. Um, it's just for me, I, I didn't end up, I haven't, been, I haven't been running since I started this way of eating. So I started with, you know, CrossFit mostly. Yeah, there's a huge, huge trend of the fat adapted athlete. People really going on those high fat diets for endurance. And I know there's still, you know, high carbers out there. I did triathlons and, and, you know, I did exactly what you were talking about. I refueled probably about every 45 minutes. I was taking something in to, you know, to refuel and, and get energy. Um, and so now uh, it'd be interesting to go back and, and just be a fat adapted athlete and see how much endurance how your endurance is different, I guess. Sure. I would, I, I think I'm probably going to try it just for the experiment's sake, you know, mm-hmm. I'll probably, you know, uh, I'll probably try to, you know, run an, like another, maybe half marathon. So I don't have to do as much endurance. Training, <laughs> you, know, uh, where it would yeah. affect, you know, my muscles too much, but still try and see, you know, how it'll work. But I, I mean, I've talked to uh, endurance athletes who, who are, um, who do, tend to be very, very low carb and high fat and seem to do really well. You know, they seem to thrive and it's possible. I just think that people need to just be educated about it and experiment. And, and, and just, again, it's going to take time. Your body's going to go through uh, uh, severe changes and moods, you know, and adjust. Yeah. Well, one thing I think about the uh, fat adapted athletes is we talked a lot last week about inflammation and keeping that inflammation down and the endurance athletes that we either interviewed like uh, Kristen Rowell, who's done, I think, 26 marathons. I'm going to get that number wrong, but um, she just did the Boston marathon and she's a keto adapted marathoner and she's a bodybuilder. And the big thing for her was I have to keep inflammation down. And so the more carbs we know that increases the inflammation aspect and, and kind of slows down the recovery process for those long endurance athletes. So it would be interesting. We need to get Steve healthy enough so he can experiment with it, get his knee good, good so he can go run. Maybe someday. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's got to leave us. Okay. Got kids to get at school. You guys don't so. talk too much. Oh, we'll be fine. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, Steve. So, um, you know, I think I think that that is an interesting point, though. That there's different ways of doing things. There's different modalities and different um, different ways of eating, and people respond differently. I think the younger athletes can do almost whatever they want until up to a certain point. And then that's where we have to start adjusting when we start seeing our, our body starts, it stops responding to that influx of carbohydrate. Um, you know, maybe sometimes people get insulin resistance as they get older. And, you know, I think, I think that's a big point to make that 
definitely if you're young, maybe you can do whatever you want. But once we hit that magic age of, you know, maybe it's even 35 now, we have to start really kind of dialing in the diet. And I know you, you put the hashtag a lot on your stuff, hashtag real food matters. And, and that's so true. You can eat, um, if, if you just eat real food, that's usually where we try to start with people. And I think that's something you're doing too. Exactly. And, and it's, it's important for me to get out, get that message out there to people to see that real food is, tastes amazing. We're just used to all this artificial sweeteners and unprocessed food that has changed our taste buds. You know, if you get rid mm-hmm. of that stuff and give yourself a couple of weeks and then start tasting how real food, you know, tastes, it's delicious. You know, eating broccoli and okay, if you don't like broccoli, you know, uh, find, you know, cauliflower, find something else, zucchini or whatever. But you can. Bacon. Bacon, yeah. Who doesn't like bacon? You can make it taste good and it's satisfying and it's it's delicious. I never feel deprived. I can go to a um, party with people and see people eating all kinds of desserts and and all kinds of uh, stuff. And I don't sit there and think, oh, I wish I could have that. I don't right. because it doesn't make me feel good. And if it did, it's only temporary. And then it quickly affects me. Either it'll be my digestive system or inflammation, or you just feel bloated and uncomfortable for days after. And it's not worth it to me. No, it's not. I, I think you're exactly right with that because um, I know coming from a lot of digestive issues that I had, um, at, when you when you start eating food and all the bloating and the discomfort stops happening and you realize that you're not supposed to really feel anything as you digest, then it's like magic. You're just, then when you do eat that food that causes bloating or or the gaseous gas feeling in your stomach all that noise and discomfort you're like you you realize that that food is really not worth it it's not serving you well and that's what you said earlier which is something that I always say I always look at my food and say what are you going to do for me and that becomes a whole mental state that you can get in when you sit down to eat that a lot of us, everything's so hyper palatable now in our in our food system, um, with the sugar and the and the you know poor fats, and you mix those two things together, and it yeah, it's hyper palatable, and it's it might taste really good for a moment, but there's a lot of damage being done there. And um, one thing that I did want to talk about is as we're talking about what you do for a day. I know we talked about last week. A lot of your workouts, you said you're working out like three hours a day, but then you have a, a couple of rest days incorporated. So on those rest days, are you are you pulling back what you're eating or do you just eat normal? Do you continue on as normal or are those days different? The only thing that differs on those days is uh, any carbs that I have. So they might go down even less. Yeah. So that's the only change. I still do my same eggs in the morning. I still do the bacon, but I might not have any fruit. 
Um, so, um, or, you know, any, any type of carb, I just may stick to the, um, fat and protein, um, and still have my tea. So it doesn't really change a whole lot. I, uh, I, the only thing that changes for me is during, like if I'm on a deload week or right now after, you know, we got done with the open and then the online qualifier. So now, um, you know, I'm going to give my body, you know, probably several weeks of, you know, just kind of lowering the intensity. And so that might, I will cut back my calories a little bit because right now I'm on 2,200, usually 2,300 calories a day. Um, so I'll probably scale back a little bit for a few weeks. And then I want to start a strength training again. Um, building up my strength again. So then I'll start increasing the, you know, calories back up. Uh, maybe I might even go higher depending on how my shoulder feels. If I, cause I really want to try to um, work on getting a little bit stronger. So yeah. I'll probably have to increase my calories even more, maybe, and, you know, kind of play around with it again and see how I feel. But um, that'll be what changes um, everything else. And the funny thing is, is I weigh the same when I go in for my physical. I've weighed the same for the last two years. It's the same. I might fluctuate a pound or two, but I stick to what I eat so, um, so well. And it's just so regimen and, and, and just what I do that uh-huh. it changes. And the workouts are pretty much the same way, you know, so. Right. And that kind of is where it just becomes part of your lifestyle and your everyday activity. This is, this is life. This is what you do. Um, when you are adjusting like up and down your food intake, a lot of people have trouble with that because sometimes they don't know, um, you know, if you're working out harder, the, the general idea is that the more work you put out, the more hungry you're going to be, you're going to be hungry. So when you get, let's say for someone out there who's like, well, I've got this plan that I'm sticking to. Someone gave me a meal plan. I'm supposed to stick to this, but you work out and your body's demanding some more nutrients. I always view hunger as either a blood sugar dysregulation problem, or it's actually a body, your body crying for nutrients. Are you, do you listen to that? Do you have that happen and then adjust accordingly if there's like, you get really hungry. Does that happen? Yes. And I do. And I, I, for me, if probably for people like you and I, and the, the majority of people that we work out around, it's, it's definitely something where if my body, if I'm starting to feel tired in my workouts, if I'm noticing, I'm not feeling real strong. If I'm noticing that I'm feeling hungry or agitated Um, that first thing I look at is my food. I'll think, okay, did I mess up somewhere? Did I, you know, did I miss some stuff? Okay. And then I'll adjust. I'm like, you know what? I'm hungry. I need to eat. So I will eat. Um, but there's a difference from people like you and I to someone who comes to me in my class who says, you know, Hey coach, I'm looking to lose weight, but I'm feeling hungry. And that, then I have to start thinking, okay, in the beginning, you're going to feel hungry if you start eating the proper portions. So if someone's eating way too much and then we scale them back and we tell them, okay, this is what you should be eating. They might go through a two, three week period of feeling like, Oh, I can't stand it. I need to eat. I mean, that's just 
their body's adjusting to what they're supposed to be eating, you know, not what they've, you know, been eating. Um, so with them, I'll say, look, you know, you've got to, you've got to try to fight through that. You know, maybe we can make a couple of adjustments here and there, but for the, if they want to lose weight and get, you know, lean, uh, and healthier then they're going to have to adjust, you know, that to uh, go through that period of adjustment, you know, but for athletes who are, you know, committed to working out all the time. And, you know, if they come, if I'm, you know, myself using myself, an example, if I'm feeling hungry, um, then I'm, I look and think, okay, I, I, you know, either I'm, you know, I need to eat more cause that was a harder workout than I thought, or maybe I missed something, but I need to eat. I'm not going to deprive myself. You know, I'm going to eat because I need it, you know? Right. And I know, I think we talked about last lose weight. I'm not looking to, you know, uh, lean out or anything like that. I'm, you know, I'm looking to stay healthy and to maintain the level of intensity that I'm doing, you know, at. Right. to maintain that. So I'm going to eat, you know, I'm going to yeah, eat. And- that's a really important point because there, there are different, there's different athletes. So there's someone who like yourself, who is in that top 200 category. And then there's the everyday athlete who does the one workout a day, you know, the one hour of CrossFit or the one hour of Zumba even. And, you know, like we talked about last week, you find what you love and you do that. Like I have a friend who started doing a keto diet. And then when she started feeling better, she started wanting to move more, which is so natural. And don't you love that? And so she started posting about kickboxing. And I was like, I never would have thought, but that's what she loves to do. So she started kickboxing. And, you know, when you're doing those activities, though, sometimes you will get a little hungry, especially as you start you know, increasing that activity. But I totally agree with you that transition period for someone who is coming and they do need to lose a certain amount of weight to just get to that healthy body size and waist circumference, it's going to be painful. It, 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 it is going to hurt for a little while. And a lot of that is the blood sugar dysregulation a lot of times, but then a lot of it is mental. Yes, I was going to say that. You are absolutely right about that. You hit the nail on the head with that one. It's mostly, yeah. You know, as soon as you tell somebody, well, we're going to just do this much food here, you know, at this time of day, all of a sudden, what do you want? You want food now, all of it. And we're, especially females, we're so, and that's, you tell us we can't have food. What do we want? We want food. And that's that diet mentality that we have had for so long. Um, I mean, I don't know any single person uh, that's a female that's a friend of mine who has never been on a diet. Right, right. You know. You know, we all have them. We all have gone through it. But you're absolutely right. It is mental, you know, the majority of the time. Um, and, and sometimes I, I think that people, especially going through the beginning stages of cutting back their calories and figuring out what they're supposed to eat, how much they're supposed to eat, it's 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 a eye opening for people to think that I mean this is all I get, and you're like this is all you need, and and sometimes they mistake those hunger feel, you know, stomach growling for thirst. So I'll tell them, you know, if you start feeling that way, you know, maybe drink some water, you know, 
Um, Absolutely. That, that is so true. A lot of times we do mistake hunger and we, we get them confused, hunger and thirst. Your body's really thirsty and it's dehydrated and you interpret it as hunger and then you stay dehydrated and the cycle continues. And, you know, something for women out there is that when you start on this process, I always say to anyone who asks me, and I'm, I'm sure you do the same thing, the food has to be dialed in. You, you know, you can't out-exercise a bad diet. We know that. But I also say don't wait to start exercising, yes. you know. So that we talked about that last week with, you know, especially women, when you start getting into our age, um, a lot of people go to the doctor and they'll hear the word, oh, you have osteo, the beginnings of osteoporosis, you have osteopenia, you need to take these supplements for your bone density, which really the the cure for that is not only just eating a, a good real food diet, but also that weight and strength, that strength training. Yes, pick up a pair of dumbbells or a barbell versus taking that, you know, pill. Um, yeah, and you know, they did a study on nursing home patients in wheelchair bound. That, and I don't have the study, I'd have to go find it. But what they did was they gave them little handheld dumbbells and they had them just lift them in their wheelchair. They increased their bone density over a period of so many weeks by 70%. Isn't that something? That's incredible. And that's just little dumbbells, you know, that it doesn't take a lot. No, but people have been fed misinformation. They think that, oh, I have osteoporosis. I'm not supposed to do anything. I'm not supposed to take the stairs. I need to take the elevator. I've got osteoporosis. You know, you hear people, I mean, and people who are, you know, even in their 50s in my age, you hear them say that. And I think, no, you don't. You need to move. You need to find yes. something to do and move. You don't say sedentary. You don't just, you know, give up and, 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 you know, take more medicine and just, uh, you know, stop doing anything. You need to move around and, and, and it doesn't, you don't have to do what I do. You know, that's, that's not at all what I'm out there telling people to do. You need to find something that you like to do and just do it. But like, like my friend with kickboxing, kickboxing or Zumba or, you know, yoga, whatever it is, every form of exercise has its benefit. You know, I'm not a CrossFit snob. I'm not saying, you know, that if you don't do my sport or if you don't run a marathon, you're not really an athlete. No, athletes are in all shapes and all sizes. We don't all look the same. We don't all, you know, like the same stuff. That doesn't mean that we're any less of an athlete than the next person. You know, we, exactly. I, I, one thing I tell people, and I think that this was something that I wanted to share with you when we were talking about um you know, eating and, 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 and exercising and looking a certain way. I always tell people that I want you to start eating right and finding what you like to do and then let your body take its natural process and shape. You know, don't worry about trying to look like me or Judy or whoever. Let your body look the way it's supposed to look when you start losing weight because we're all shaped different. I'll never look like a ballerina. You know, no matter what exercises I do, I mean, I'll never look like that. So I'm not going to fight against it. 
I'm going to, you know, I was born this way, you know, I have short, you know, big legs and, uh, you know, long torso, uh, and I'm, I'm going to have big legs and, you know, but I want to be healthy and exactly. active. So that, that is such a good point because, you know, you want, you want a certain, a lot of times I find that especially women will get a number on the scale in their mind. And that number on the scale is what they're thriving, you know, they're, they're striving for when really a lot of times that number on the scale is going to be so skewed by the fact that if you're doing things like CrossFit or if you're any kind of workout that where you're putting on some muscle, it's going to, it's going to differ from what's in your head. And oftentimes you, you probably have seen this too, that for a woman, a lot of times our desired weight is not our body's happy weight. And a lot of times it's 10 pounds at least more than what you want to be, where your body's thriving, making proper hormones, where you're sleeping well, um, where your sexual function is, is where it needs to be, whether you're uh, you know, young and childbearing or going through perimenopause and menopause. Um, all of that matters. And your body weight has a lot to do with that. Because if we get too, too lean, we know, you know, our hormones kind of tank. Yeah. And, 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 and you lose a lot with that, too. You just allow your body to do what it's going to you know, do. Allow it to look like it's going to look. And, exactly. and embrace it. You know, there are some really um, strong and healthy women out there who are super active and I would call them very fit that, that, um, might weigh over 160 pounds, you know, or 150 pounds, but they're healthy and strong and, and active. Um, so that's great for them. You know, it, that's where their bodies are and they don't need to look like me or weigh as much as I do. Or, you know, we, we just get this, we get again going back to getting, you know, I get stuck on that leaderboard number. Others get stuck on the way that they want to look like someone. Right. Like so-and-so her, her bud or her arms or, you know, her waist or, you know, she's so, she looks so good. Well, you know what? You may, you may never look like that. And, you know, that's, that's a really good point. Just loving who you are and what your body is, is designed to look like and let it get to a place where it's at a healthy weight that's good for your health, not, not something that um, society, and, you know, we have that as women, we've been marketed to, we we need to be a certain size. Um, You know, it's, it's just been devastating for our health, that whole you know, don't be muscular, don't work out, don't, but also be a stick, you know, be super skinny and, you know, don't eat. (laughs) Right, exactly. Oh, no, I, I, you know, we want to, and I I appreciate you and I appreciate your, you know, show and your love and desire for, you know, whole foods, real food and fitness, you know, getting that message out to people. You know, uh, getting letting people know that there's all kinds of food to be enjoyed out there. 
There is. And there's different ways of doing it. You don't have, like you said, you don't, you're not a CrossFit snob. We're not keto snobs. I'm not saying someone has to be keto to be healthy. Um, we, we really just want to promote the idea of finding the balance for you that puts you in a state of health where you're not a slave to pharmaceuticals. You're not in a, in a state where you can't enjoy your life. And, you know, you want to be that 90 year old that can get up and down without any assistance. That's where, that's what my focus has become as an adult that I don't want to be like we talked about last week. I don't want my story to end in that nursing home. You know, I want to, I want to move as long as I can. I want to keep trying new things. I want to keep pushing my body to new limits. And, you know, as long as it's safe, you know, I want to keep going there and and keep trying. I may not be the best at it, but I'm sure going to work hard at trying, you know, and and I'm sure going to give it all I've got, you know, um, it's, it's important. Um, do you, I know people have, do you ever cheat like a cheat meal or, you know, well, (laughs) what's funny is our cheat has become so funny because we laugh about it because right now, yes, if you want to, if you want to say that, yes. Um, when we went to our biggest cheat, we went to Germany and we've talked about that on here. We had bread. We had, we just like a real pretzel. We, yeah, we had the, we had the brats with the buns. We yeah, had yeah. Um, croissants because we went to France, you know, yeah. we, we just did all of it and we enjoyed it. Yes. Um, but on the daily regular, you know, uh, I find that my cheat is so different because I'll make a keto pizza and I'm like, I feel like I'm cheating, yeah, yeah. you know, and um, just stuff like that. The cheat has become so different for me. Cheese doesn't make me feel good, but every now and again, for some odd reason, I'll get this thing of like, I want a piece of cheese or that piece of uh, keto fathead pizza and I'll eat it. And I'll feel like I've cheated. And then it's because that food doesn't affect me in a good way. So I pay a consequence for it. So it really is like a cheat for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. My cheat, uh, normally, I mean, I, I will, I mean, I eat like a, a steak a lot, you know, I'll eat chicken. So to me, I don't feel like I really get a cheat meal, but once every maybe three weeks, I'll do pizza. Because I've always, always loved pizza. Um, so I will have pizza with pepperoni, as much pepperoni on there as I can get. Um, but, and I only have like three pieces. But then it's, I, sometimes I will feel a little blah afterward. Too. Yeah, you, you just don't feel as... Yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah. I should have done that. It was good while I was doing it. And then I just move on. Then I just go right back to normal. The next you know, I think that's important. Because there are, no one's going to be perfect. No one, and and there is no perfect. Um, You're going to be in a, people are going to be in a situation where something's presented and they just say, oh, I'm just doing it. So you do that. And what I've learned, what I learned from Steve, who had to leave us just a little while ago, is that I have the more the attitude of a man when it comes to that, of like, I watch men eat, they'll eat something and be like, oh, well, and yeah, just move on. 
and they don't wallow in shame over it like sometimes I would in the past. And I've learned to do that. If I do something, I know the consequences, I accept it and I move on. And the next meal, I don't even wait, you know, if it's, if it's an early meal, I'm not going to wait till the next day. I'm just going to start with the next thing that goes in my body and go from there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think holding on to it is, is more detrimental emotionally. I mean, it does no good. I mean, you just, and, and, you know, you just start over in a new day. I know I have a lot of people who, and you probably have this as well, but a lot of people will message uh, friends of ours who start on a keto diet and then they'll get three weeks in and then they'll, they'll eat something that's not keto and they'll feel sick and they'll, they'll send a message and say, oh, I'm totally messed up. And I'm like, no, you just learned that that food doesn't serve you well. It's not that you messed up. You you learn now. You learned something, and I think if we take that approach to our diet, that we can learn what our body really needs and what it what it thrives on. And then when we do choose to do something outside of that, we can accept it and move on. And I think that's a healthy attitude towards food. Absolutely, you're right. So we we talked a little bit, um, and I know we're going to kind of go long here. So. Uh, we talked a little bit about menopause last week. And this is, I think, with the, the maybe who this might reach. This could be helpful. When we talked about your food and it's taken you a couple of years to kind of figure out what works, was that during the stage where you were going into menopause? And do you think that had any bearing on how you had to adjust your food? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I was, um, I had... I mean, I had been active, you know, in the physical fitness realm uh, for quite some time, and I and, and my eating has always been pretty decent. I, I, I even back when I was in martial arts and or uh, bike riding or uh, marathon running, I, my food was, you know, not as clean as it is now, but it was still pretty decent. But I found myself when I started going through. Uh, having symptoms of of menopause. Um, I found it rather uncomfortable. I'm a very, I'm a creature of habit and I, and I'm a little bit of a control freak. I like things to be a certain way and I like feeling the certain way and I like my normal routine and I like feeling like I'm in control. And I started feeling like I wasn't in control and I started feeling, you know, uncomfortable in so many ways from from hot flashes to, uh, you know, mood swings. I, I you know, would I feel very agitated and uh, short with people. But the biggest issue, my biggest issue with menopause was I couldn't sleep. I had been a great sleeper my whole life until I started, you know, going through menopause. And all of a sudden, I'm just getting maybe four hours of sleep. And desperate, you know, talking to my doctor, like, look, I'm, you know, I've got a coach, I'm trying to work out, I can't function on four hours of sleep. And it was basically four hours was my norm. And I, I, I was like, you know, and of course, they want to tell you, look, you could take these pills, it'll help, it'll be okay. Um, or you can take this hormone replacement uh, medicine. And, and, you know, they've, they've got it all. And, and I, 
you know, even from, even, I mean, they have stuff for everything. You talk about if you're even having um, sexual changes, they've got medicine for that, you know, (laughs) now too, you know, that they're ready to give out, you know, at a drop of a hat. So uh, talking to my OB, I, I, I was like, and he knows how I am. I've known him for a long time. And uh, I, I was like, no, I don't want to do that. And, and he's like, no, it's, it's going to be okay. It's not a big deal. I'm like, no, I really don't. I want to try to do it with food and exercise. I want to try to get through this. Um, and he's like, well, it's, you know, it might be harder. It, you know, why torture yourself? We, you know, this could get easier if you just take, you know, some of this. Uh, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to try it and, and we'll see. And it was tough. It wasn't easy, but sugar was the biggest thing for me. When I got rid of that, I started feeling a whole lot better. Um, I, f- I started feeling like my moods were more regulated. Um, I felt like I um, was a lot more stable, you know, emotionally. Uh-huh. And, and and it was, but it was tough in the beginning. I, I, you know, and I even you know remember just things happening up and down, and changing, you know, uh, my moods changing. Um, but, you know, really, I, I cut out all the sugar that, that I could. Obviously, there's sugar in everything, you know, it's so hard and, and ketchup and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So I went, um, I first went like total, like, you know, uh, cold turkey, you know, you know, just going, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to do it. And it was hard. I remember feeling worse for at least several weeks. I felt feeling worse. Like I was even more tired and more agitated. But then slowly things started to change and I started feeling a lot more balanced and, and, and I felt like I could um, function better and think better. And, and, and thankfully my workouts, I didn't feel like they really suffered um, though um, I think the thing that remained my biggest issue was the sleep. Um, and, uh, and even though that's gotten better, that I think that was probably my biggest menopausal uh, struggle, even from the mood swings, you know, hot flashes and, and eating, you know, the hormone fluctuations of being hungry all the time. And, um, and of course, when you don't sleep, you're more apt to eat. You know, right. you're apt to be agitated. You're more apt to be, um, you know, cranky and, and not recover from physical fitness. Um, so I, I decided to uh, come up with a plan and I uh, would force myself to come home after I worked out and I would turn off my phone and actually take a nap. You know, so I would um, try to, you know, get some sleep during the day, and which I did. I was able to fall asleep, and which I always, for some reason, I, I felt like such a snob because I always looked down on people who took naps. Like, how could you take a nap? You know, we lazy There's so person. much to do. Yes, you lazy person. How can you take a nap? There's so much to do, you know, and, and, and isn't that humbling? It, the very thing that I would think in my head about someone else is what I actually had to do for myself because it wasn't happening for me at night and I needed to make sure I get some sleep. And um, so I had to, you know, find a way to do that for me. 
And that's, you know, that's, that's funny because that's exactly where I'm at right now with the, I go through the periods of time where the week, one week sleep will be great. Nothing's wrong. And then there'll be a week where I'm getting four hours. And, and I don't know if yours is like, was, was like mine is right now where you lay down and you're sleepy and you're tired, but then nothing happens. Yes. You don't fall asleep. So irritating, isn't it? It's very frustrating and you try to mentally not go to that place where you get super frustrated because then you know, okay, that makes it worse. And, you know, I find myself right now, sometimes it's one, two o'clock and then, you know, we get up at 6.45 or 6.30 and, you know, just you, you, I try not to be a clock watcher, but it becomes difficult and it does really... And what is funny is I've always said, I'm such a good sleeper. You know, I can fall asleep anywhere. I used to be, you know, till I hit menopause and everything changed in that realm. Right. And, and so that, and what's frustrating is that, you know, for me, I'm looking at it. And as a nutritionist, I know what's happening. I know why it happens. I know my hormones are, are switching over from being ovary derived to my, you know, adrenal glands are having to pick up the slack. And so that means that when I work out, I'm depleting the adrenals. And when I don't sleep, I'm depleting the adrenals. And I've got this competition going on in my body. And it's like you're fighting upstream. Um, And your body's kind of revolting against you. And a lot of women feel that way when they do go into menopause. And even when we feel like our diet's dialed in, and we're doing all the exercise, and then we're taking the rest days, and it still happens, you feel like, wow, now I just don't really know what to do. And go ahead. No, no, no. I was, I'm sorry to interrupt. You're absolutely right. That's exactly how I felt. I was like ready to, you know, tear my hair out. I'm, you know, I'm like, I, and, and I, got, I would get anxious because I'm thinking I need to sleep. I need to recover. I'm working right. a lot. If I don't recover, I'm going to end up hurting myself and not be able to perform the next day or the next day or the next day. Um, but until I gave myself permission to take naps, I, I, and then once I did that, it has changed for me because now I give myself permission to take a nap for at least an hour or two, and I don't feel guilty about it. I don't, you know, I turn off my phone. I try not to look on social media. I get comfortable and just do it because I need to. It's for my health. It's not because I'm lazy. It's not because I don't want to clean my house and I don't want to work or want to, you know, do stuff. It's because I need it for my mental and physical health. (laughs) Absolutely. So does that still happen for you right now? Are you still in the area where you're getting the four hours or is it changed? It's gotten better. It has gotten better and it, um, it has moved up. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I actually thought, wow, I'm actually sleeping a little bit more, uh, which was a nice surprise, you know, because it was, it's gotten a little longer, but it is still a struggle for me. And uh, the naps have really made a difference because I'll get at least another extra hour or two of, of I mean, I'm out, I'm out, you know, I'm not like just laying on the couch watching TV. I try to make it a point to, to really you know, get the sleep I need. Um, exactly. And so that's, that's a really good, good um, place for someone to be able to say, okay, I give myself permission 
to, to do this. Cause a lot of times what, what happens to people is there's such a huge mental block when it comes to sleep. You, when you're sleep deprived or when you have trouble falling asleep, you, you build up an anxiety about going to bed because you're worried that you're not going to go to sleep. Then if you feel guilty for getting the sleep when it does present itself, like an, an opportunity to take a nap, then, you know, there's a mental block there where we feel like, oh, we're lazy because we're doing that or we should be doing something else. Okay, but doing this and that, this and that. I'm like, no, I need to do this for me. And I'm, I'm sick of the, I don't, I, I used to feel guilty a lot more than I do now <laughs> as I've gotten older and as I've gotten through menopause. I'm like, no, this is foolishness. I need to take care of myself. Absolutely. I know if I'm being lazy and I know I'm not lazy and the and people who know me know I'm not a lazy person. Um, so I think most women tend to work hard at taking care of their kids and work hard taking care of their homes or even working outside of the home. Um, so if they can um, have an opportunity to take a nap because they don't get to sleep well at night, then I think it's important. You know, it's yeah. important. You know, and there's so many other things that people can enjoy, that they enjoy doing for relaxation, whether it's getting a massage or even going and getting your nails done or whatever. I know all the guys are like, yeah, I like to go get my nails done. (laughs) But, you know, I also find that, like, for me, it's frustrating because we lay down and, and Steve's out like, you know, like a light. And then I'm laying there going, well, now what? I feel like those fish and finding Nemo where they're just in that bag and they're like, now what? (laughs) So so I think that's something good that we can, we can maybe wrap up. Um, We don't want to, you know, I don't want to keep you all day, but because I could talk about this stuff all day long. Um, But something, this probably is exactly what you've done recently, maybe, or maybe there's something else. Um, I like to ask people, what have you started doing recently or in the recent past that's made a huge difference or been a game changer? Um, It could be anything from... I think um, probably learning to give myself permission to do things that whether it's taking a nap or, or um, I would always feel guilty, even working out for as long as I work out, I would feel guilty. People would um, be critical of, you know, friends of mine would be critical and, and, and say, you know, how could you do that? Or that, isn't that a little too overboard? And so there's a lot of criticism that comes along with when you open yourself up and you tell people things, you you know, you open up yourself to all kinds of stuff from people and, and they don't even, sometimes they don't even really know you or know your life, but they're so quick to give uh, their disapproval, you know, and especially with working out and even the way I eat, people will be very critical of me. And, 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 you know, think that that's a very selfish, uh, very a self-focused kind of, you know, thing to do. Um, and I've, you know, through the months and throughout the last, you know, couple of years and going through menopause, I thought, I, I'm, I, I'm done caring about what people think. I care about those who are closest to me and most important to me. I care about what they think. <laughs> And as long, you know, as long as we're on the same page, my husband and I, um, I, I don't care. You know, I have permission for myself to work out 
as long as I want to and, and do what I want to do and enjoy what I want to do, if I you know, want to work out for three hours, I'm going to do that. If I want to take a nap in the afternoon, I'm going to do that. If I want to lift weights and eat a certain way, I'm going to do that. It's what I want to do. And I, I'm, I'm tired of feeling bad about it or allowing other people's feelings to affect me, you know? Well, I think that's such a good, a good place to be. And it's such a good thought for people out there because a lot of us put ourselves out on social media and when you do that, you do it with the knowledge that you are open to criticism and there's plenty of people out there to criticize us, um, you know, but we surround ourselves, you know, we block that stuff out. We know that's coming from, from people, but when that's a good place to be, you surround yourself with your personal cheerleaders, people who believe in what you're doing, who allow you to be okay and know, you know, let you have that permission. Cause there's, you know, there's a lot of people who have families who, even when they change their diet strategy and they want to lower their carbs or eat more fat, they get a lot of pushback and they get a lot of criticism. Even people saying, well, you know, what you're doing is wrong and you're going to die. Yeah. You're going to have terrible cholesterol. I mean, people say things they have no clue. And, And, you know, so being in a place where you give yourself permission is I think that is probably one of the best things you can do for yourself because that's where it starts to just say, I can do this. Yep. And it's okay. It's yes. I don't have to feel guilty for taking care of myself and doing something that I love. And, um, you know, I, I really appreciate your time. I know that, um, this has been such a joy for us to be able to have you on here because it's inspirational. Number one, for people who aren't in this place yet where they want to move and get, you know, physically active or to dial in their dietary strategies. But it's also inspirational for people who've been doing it for a while, just to see someone else in the camp doing it, you know? Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And well, good. So I usually, you know, have Steve here to tell everybody to eat fat and prosper, but I guess I'm going to be the one to do it today. (laughs) So Helen, it's been a, it's been such a privilege and we look forward to seeing more from you from the future. Thank you. Thank you very much again for having me. I've loved it. Thank you. You are welcome. So everybody go out there and eat some fat and prosper. Thanks for listening to The Tactical Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Don't forget to send your questions to btkquestions at gmail.com and visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.